Welcome to Pep Talk, a podcast from the Professional Edge Project. My name is JP Edgington, I'm the head coach and creator of the Professional Edge Project, and in this podcast, I'll be talking about how we can enhance our personal and professional effectiveness, how we can increase our mental resilience, how we can increase our calm, our composure, our confidence, our capacity and our capability, all for the benefit of our professional and our personal lives, since each has an impact on the other. If you like what you hear, I'd love to hear from you. It would be great if you could share it as well. But more importantly, more important than that, if something I cover resonates, then I urge you to take some action off the back of it. Even if it's something small, take some action off the back of it. Information is pointless without application. Thanks in advance. I really appreciate you taking time out of your busy days to listen to this, but I really hope that you get some value, you get something that can actually make your lives a bit easier, give you some clarity on your day, give you some more confidence and allow you to go out there and and do what you do best. Let's go. Okay, pep talk, next episode. Let's get straight into this one because this is a bit of an important one. So the Professional Edge Project exists to enhance professionalism, enhance personal effectiveness. If you like, we focus on the personal effectiveness first because that will show up and stack things in our favour of being more professional. Two are linked. We aren't two separate people. How we show up at work will have an effect on how we are at home, how we are at work home will will affect how we can go about our day-to-day lives but ultimately we've got to take care of ourselves before we take care of anybody else before we can serve our clients before we can serve our family at all so when we're looking at the ways in which we can protect or build our professionalism or or be more effective in our day-to-day increasing calm increasing confidence whatever happens to be working on our hydration working on our nutrition working on our focus and so on one of the biggest inhibitors one of the biggest obstacles to us either doing just what we're supposed to in our jobs or having the confidence to progress our careers or one of the greatest obstacles or inhibitors or factors in in um, you know things not going well in our personal lives will be this big broad category of stress and stress can show up in many different forms and stress is important in our lives because it, it, it provides little red flags it provides little indicators so when stress occurs we get to but often we don't we get to choose how we respond to it it's like oh feeling a bit stressed right that means this okay what can i do about it but often stress will rock up and we'll attach meanings to it that that don't necessarily serve us we'll just focus on the stress and the stress will grow so one way in which um stress shows up uh, it shows up in many ways but we've got you know, self-doubt, if you like, is a form of stress or procrastination is, is, is one effect of stress. Um, but it's the subject of anxiety, being anxious, 
And one thing the, the work that I've done over the past few years has certainly shown me is highlighted how much of what we believe to be out of our control, I'm just stressed. I'm just an anxious person. It's just the way it is. These labels we attach, these beliefs and assumptions we take to be as facts actually aren't. There's much more in our control than we think about. There are certain things that are outside of our control, like the noisy seagulls. <laughs> Can't do anything about them. Well, I can move away, you know, but they'll probably just follow me. So, no point stressing about something I have no control over. If there is something that is stressing me and does, that is in my control, then I should do something about it. Now, when it comes to anxiety, anxiety is an interesting one. And what a lot of, whether it's self-doubt, whether it's procrastination, whether it's low confidence, whether it's, um, let's just attach the broad label of stress. What it comes down to is inappropriate mental engagement. Okay, now yes, stress will come and we'll go, oh my God, right, this is a stressful situation. But then what happens, so we become aware of the thing. Okay, I've got this work to do. You know, this isn't panning out how I want it to be. But then where we set our mind following that will dictate how we feel about it. Okay, it is not, consider this, it is not the situation, circumstance or person that causes us stress, but our response to it, the meaning we attach to it, the label that we attach to it. Now that might be born out of previous experience or our upbringing or who we're with or so on, but it is in our control not saying it's easy but it's in our control to go through some different processes and attach different labels labels that serve us labels that don't stress us but all too often it's just easier to attach that oh, I'm just stressed it just is what it is oh, I'm just a bit of a stressy person or I'm I'm an anxious person no you just attach this label of anxiety to the situation or to your response so often that that's just become habit. It's just become normal that that's just what you do. It's just easier to say I'm an anxious person than it is to go, okay, how do I want to feel and what do I need to do to, to change that? Often, and I know this from personal experience, often the familiar discomfort is more appealing than the unfamiliar change. Okay, the familiar discomfort is often more comfortable, more appealing than the unfamiliar, uncomfortable, uncertain change. But whilst for so many people I see, they just accept that it is how they are. But what if we accepted instead that it is possible to change? Now often, and I was certainly a victim of this, 
aspect in a small V, that I needed to believe it was possible before I took any action to then get the result, okay? But ironically, what if we just trusted the process, just took some action, then got the result, then you would believe in it more deeply. I wonder if that makes sense. So we need to know that it will work. We need to know that it's safe and it will all be fine. And then we will take action. But sometimes we don't know until we've actually experienced it. And so we're in this kind of paradox, this, I won't take action because I don't know that it will work. But the only way I'll know that it will work is if I take action. When it comes to anxiety, you know, often one of the first things I'll say to people is you go, you write it down, capture it on paper. It just seems so simple that it doesn't seem any point in doing so. But it's been well noted, those that journal, those that record and capture their thoughts on paper and then kind of just process them, even in a simple way, like five, ten minutes a day, they have higher levels of well-being, okay, of life satisfaction when, when, when kind of asked and scored. You know, I guess it's very subjective. But they scored higher than they previously had done. Fear, which is all anxiety is, is a form of fear, is, as Byron Katie said in a little post the other day, it's an unquestioned thought. And what we do inside here is when we have kind of anxiety about our workload or anxiety about something that's holding us back and limiting us, affecting our personal effectiveness, restricting our ability to be professional, to be the kind of person that we want to be, then we just start questioning those thoughts and those perceptions to see what it would be like. And, and we present some different labels and go, well, imagine what it would be like if we attached this label. Does that seem a more accurate label? We don't say you should attach this or you must attach that. But we just go, okay, we're, let's take it that we've just attached this label to the situation. Well, let's explore it and properly make sure that the current label we are attaching is an accurate one. And we do that by maybe attaching or looking at an opposite or an alternative viewpoint and backing it up with fact, logic, reason. We talk a lot, there's a cornerstone of the work that we do, which is all around the chimp paradox by Professor Steve Peters. If you haven't read that book, go and read the book. There's YouTube videos that you can find that are about 10, 15 minutes long, done by him, that kind of explains the book really quickly and efficiently and it begins to give you a bit of an idea as to, um, you know, what's going on in our psychology. And gaining acquisition of background knowledge, understanding the psychology, understanding why we do what we do, then going into a process of awareness and acceptance, then an assumption of ownership of the situation is the first part of the, the kind of transformational process that we work through. Um, the transformation process, which is what I call the seven A's, you know, which is um, what we use in certain situations. But understanding psychology is, is, is one part of that. But often whenever we think about 
having to understand that it just seems like too big a subject. It's like, oh God, that just seems too complex. And you kind of be right to think so. There's nothing more complicated or incredible than the human brain. But what Professor Steve Peters does is he takes this extremely complex thing and, and presents a, a model which is entertaining and way more accessible. And I've yet to come across anybody who's read and applied and, and really put some thought into his work that hasn't benefited off the back of it. So it's certainly worth that. Chimp Paradox by Professor Steve Peters. But the acquisition of background knowledge, just reading about it, is only the first part. You've then got to become aware of how and where and when it's affecting you specifically. Accept that it, A, it's in your power to do something about it and accept that there is something that can be done about it rather than accepting that it's just the way I am. And for me, and these are my definitions, acceptance is different to the assumption of ownership. For example, I could accept that, say, I've got a coffee, uh, yeah, say I've got a coffee addiction. I could go, yeah, I drink too much coffee. There's one thing to say, yeah, I drink too much coffee, and to kind of accept or admit. But there's a whole other thing to go, but now I'm going to do something about it. To have that mental switch from being aware and going, yeah, I know I've got a coffee addiction, but you know what? I am now going to take ownership of what's in my control and do something about it. Then after that, the next phases are the addition of skills and strategies, the application of those strategies, and then having some accountability to keep you on track and see how you're doing. So that's kind of the, the, the transformational process. So when it comes back to anxiety, there, there is so much that can be done in a very simple way to start shifting our anxious thoughts, our anxious feelings. One is the language we use, like stop calling it my anxiety. It's just the anxious thoughts that I'm currently feeling. Just shifting the language to that means it doesn't become, it's just who you are. It's something that occurs and you can cause something else to occur. Yeah. I doubt that anybody is anxious 100% of the time. So you're not an anxious person, you're a person who experiences anxiety at various times for various reasons. Start to explore what those reasons are, apply some fact, truth and logic to them, and then we can begin to, you know, shift and alter and present different perceptions on, on this subject. Is it actually true? You know, I'll look bad in front of my colleagues. I'm not good enough, you know, and that causes me a lot of anxiety. Okay, are you not good enough? Is that actually true? Or can you think of three factual logical reasons why you are good enough? Or can you think, if that's too big a leap, could you think of three factual, rational, logical reasons why you could be good enough if you did something about it? So often I see people will hold on to a belief or a thought, thinking it to be fact and truth. And when it 
gets examined, when we begin to apply some fact and logic to it, it doesn't stand up. It just falls apart. And, and you can literally see it within, in front of you, which is the cool part of this work, is somebody will go, no, this is the situation. And then you go, cool, let's explore it. Okay, I'm not saying you have to think or perceive things in a different way. I just merely present a different viewpoint. Or if you like, if you and I were on opposite sides of the table, you have your viewpoint, I have mine. I understand, appreciate, value yours. I'm not saying yours is wrong and mine is right. All I'm going to ask is, A, if I can come round to your side of the table and see things from your viewpoint, and B, if you can come round to my side of the table and look at things from a different perspective. You can always go back to your original perspective. Or maybe you go to the side of the table and take another look. So instead of the opposite, you've got an alternative view. Now all of this is probably maybe a little bit vague because I don't know what, if you're listening to this and, and you're stressed, you, you know, you, you're constantly fighting a bit of self-doubt or a bit of procrastination or you're feeling quite anxious or you, you tend to feel anxiety quite often. Obviously I don't know what the specific thing that causes you, what the narrative is, what the things you say to yourself or to others are, so I can't be specific. But what I hope from this is that you can kind of begin to go, ah, maybe there is a different way. Maybe there is a way out of this. Maybe there is, it's, maybe it's not that daunting. Because I know, trust me, I know, when you're in there, it just feels like th th there isn't a way out. You know, it can be all-consuming. You know what? Stress, anxiety, procrastination can be on a... A huge spectrum from you know a little bit of avoidance for a couple of minutes, then you crack on with it, all the way to avoiding something like for a week, a month, or a year. You know, stress can be oh, a little bit kind of headache and fog, head fog inducing, a little bit of butterflies in the stomach, all the way up to being actually physically fit to not sleeping to you know, cold sweats, panics, and, and all sorts of other physiological manifestations. All off the back of something that we think, the meanings that we attach to a certain situation will cause these thoughts. And if they continue, if we let these thoughts just kind of carry on, if we have a thought it leads us to an action procrastination and that damages our confidence then that leads us to more procrastination because we don't feel very confident and on we go and that causes us anxiety and that anxiety then damages our confidence even more we just get in this loop and around we go and it's if you imagine uh, riding a bicycle around in the dirt in a circle if you do it for long enough you are going to create a very deep rut, a deep trough that's going to be quite hard to get out of. What we try to do inside here is look to create a pattern interrupt, create a little trough, a little rut, you know, a little ramp out to the side, you know, present a different perspective. So we're not going around in circles, you know, we go off in another direction. So anyway, that's my little take on anxiety this morning. Obviously, we could go on about this.
for a very long time, but it's more just about just opening up the subject. The thing is, is it's one of the key parts of the work that I do because it's one of the biggest obstacles to our effectiveness, our ability to do the things we want to do, our ability to progress or even operate inside our careers, which also means it's the greatest, op it's the greatest opportunity. Yeah? By tackling our anxiety, by tackling the procrastination, by tackling the self-doubt or the whatever else the stress um, comes about, by tackling the stress in our lives, it presents the biggest um, opportunities for us. But we don't have to tackle them necessarily with big efforts. It doesn't have to be a big job to tackle it. Chances are the stress, the anxiety, crept up in small amounts. It was a negative compound effect. One thing piling on top of another, leading to another, piling on top of another, undermining something else and so on. Yes, there are those circumstances that come in left field on a random Tuesday that create huge sudden amounts of stress where otherwise we were, you know, really chilled out and calm. But what we're looking to do here is turn it around and take small, positive, useful, consistent steps to create a positive compound effect. And just because those steps are small does not mean that they won't be significant. But often we'll just go writing stuff down on a piece of paper. Yeah, how's that going to help? Okay, have you done it? No. Right, well for a start, how about doing it? To know is to feel. Or, yeah, I did it for like three days. Brilliant. So, did you get really stressed and anxious over three days? No. Yet you expect to fix it all in three days. Right. I'm not saying just because you've been anxious for you know the past 10 years it's going to necessarily take you 10 years to put it right but let's be realistic it's also not going to take you 10 minutes to put it right but it doesn't mean it can't be managed better and it's just about in bringing in these small little steps into our daily routines letting these positive small steps be the become the habit that becomes the norm where you wake up in the morning and you get into a routine you go to bed at a decent time you drink you know a pint of water before you drink coffee you don't drink any coffee after a certain part of the day you know you're watching what you eat a little bit more because then that means you're not sugar crashing because when you're sugar crashing you feel crabby when you feel crabby you say stuff maybe you don't want to or you don't feel as confident and then that you're confident oh you know and you can just see how lots of small things and i'm not saying we all got to run around and start being like uber health freaks but there's all sorts of small things that we can do that can stack in our favor because if we don't do these small things to stack the you know stack our days in our favor they are automatically by default stacking against us we're not proactive in our hydration we will be getting dehydrated if we're not proactive in in questioning our thoughts and, and applying fact and logic to things that crop up in the day then those thoughts are going to carry on 
getting in our way. Yeah. Small steps make a big difference. Um, and it's just about identifying what those small steps are specific to us and our needs and our situation and our time frames and our days and then working them in. You can do a ton of that yourself or you can get some outside help to help achieve that. That's what I do. Yeah, Either on an individual level or an organisational level. Anyway, hope that is useful. If it's stimulated something, if you've got any questions about it, let, just ping me a message. If it's resonated and you found it really useful, likewise, ping me a message, it'd be great, or maybe share it up. You know, the purpose of this little podcast is to just get some information out there and, and in itself to provide little pattern interrupts. Yeah, so you're going about your day, maybe things not going so right, you have a little listen to something, could be this, could be anything else, but you have a little listen to the podcast and you go, hold on, yeah, interesting, right, yeah, maybe that's, what, what, what label am I attaching to this situation? Okay, is that helpful? No, all right. And it might just mean that, you know, instead of being stressed all day or all week, you know, you're able to kind of turn that stress around during the day or some such. Yeah. Anyway, hopefully I'll catch you soon. Take it easy and I'll see you on the next one.